Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Saturday, January the 20th. And welcome to our commentary. Well, today we're going to talk a little bit about January the 20th and some of our presidential inaugurations over the years. But I want to begin by directing you to a post that I have over at the American Thinker, uh, and that is regarding President Millet, President Javier Millet of Argentina, who went to Davos and gave a wonderful speech uh, promoting the values of the West, promoting freedom, promoting capitalism. You know, that's the kind of speech that you would expect a president of the United States to make. Well, if we had one that actually believed those things, or maybe another Western leader, it's uh, the kind of speech that a President Reagan uh, would have given, maybe a President uh, Bush. But here we have the president of Argentina giving that speech before all of these uh, people at Davos, you know, talking about, you know, how collectivism has destroyed Argentina. It's an amazing speech, an absolute, absolutely amazing speech. If you love freedom, if you believe that capitalism and free markets is the way to go or the way to achieve prosperity, you got to listen to that speech. It is just absolutely incredible. He goes back and he talks about how his country has been destroyed by all of this collectivism and socialism and all of that. It's just great. It's just a great speech. And you can get your hands on on the, the Spanish version, or you can also, there's a translated version, and then there are, of course, uh, written scripts of the speech. Just absolutely fabulous. Just absolutely fabulous uh, speech that I think every freedom-loving person should read. And that speech ought to be distributed at the universities, because that's where that speech really needs to be heard at the universities all throughout the, throughout the world. So President Millet of Argentina, speaking in Davos, I guess they're having one of their, I don't know how often they meet. They seem to meet a lot, but I don't know if there's a schedule where they meet once a year or whatever. But it's, uh, it's this, Davos is the place where everybody's talking about climate change, but everybody flies in their private jets, which is amazing. I don't know how the... How, how these people don't realize the hypocrisy of what they're doing. They're all talking about conserving energy and climate change, and yet each one of them flies in on their private jets, and they probably consume more energy in a week than most countries do uh, in an entire week. So anyway, but the speech by President Malay was absolutely great. If you love freedom, you're going to love that uh, that speech. Well, January the 20th is a, a very important date in American history, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today. January the 20th, of course, is when we inaugurate uh, our president. Uh, the Constitution says January the 20th, by noon, we have to have a new president, of course, by noon, uh, Washington time or Eastern time. And over the years, we've had some, some interesting celebrations on January the 20th. Now, the original Inauguration Day, going back to uh, to the first uh, to the George Washington inauguration back in 1789. The original day was actually March the fourth. Actually, Washington may not have been uh, the very first time may not have been inaugurated uh, March fourth. I think that was the second time. But anyway, it was always the fourth of March. That's when the new president took over. But in the 1930s, I think they decided that it was too long between election day and inauguration day. So they moved it to January the 20th, and you had President uh, Roosevelt, for example, being inaugurated in 1945 for the fourth time, fourth time that he was inaugurated 
president. Uh, he passed away a couple of months later, and Harry Truman became president. And uh, then they passed the amendment to the Constitution restricting presidential terms to only two terms uh, or two consecutive terms, I guess, in in the White House. So in 1945, it was President uh, Roosevelt, President Truman in 1949, President Eisenhower in 1953. That, of course, brought in Eisenhower and a whole new Republican Congress, uh, a great rejection, of course, a great change that the country wanted to make that year. Then you go to 1961, President Kennedy. That was an interesting uh, election because you had President Kennedy and Vice President Nixon, who was leaving office. They were on the same stage. And of course, they had had a very contested and very controversial election in 1960. 1965, LBJ, President uh, Johnson, uh, was inaugurated after, of course, he became president after the assassination of of President Kennedy, then President Nixon. In 1969, uh, he was reelected for the 1973 inauguration, then Jimmy Carter in 1977. That was a a really interesting election because nobody thought Jimmy Carter was going to be elected. And, you know, a couple of years before, nobody in the country really knew him. And then, of course, he won a very narrow election against then President uh, Ford, who had followed uh, President Nixon after his designation. Then came President Reagan. And this is my favorite one because, uh, you know, a lot of us, a lot of us were very excited about President Reagan uh, becoming uh, becoming president. And I have a post about that, by the way. Uh, coming out as well. And then in 1989, uh, the the first President Bush in 1993, you had President uh, Clinton, who, of course, had defeated uh, President uh, Bush in the election. And then in 2001, you had the second President Bush in 2009, Obama. And then, of course, in 2017, President Trump. And that was a remarkable day, to say the least. But these were the presidential inaugurations day. And and I think that, you know, whoever you like, obviously there are political differences. It's always exciting. It's always exciting when you have presidential inauguration because they confirm that power is transferred peacefully in the United States. And that's what really January the 20th is all about, the peaceful transfer of, uh, of power. And that is uh, really one great virtue of the, of the United States. Now, speaking of presidents, you know, pretty soon... Uh, the primaries, the Republican primaries will end. And I mean, I, I believe that after New Hampshire and certainly after South Carolina, uh, President uh, Trump will be the de facto nominee. He certainly has the support uh, to do that. So the question becomes, who is going to be his vice president? Who is he going to select as vice president? I have a, a post uh, coming out Sunday and I'm going to be looking at certain candidates and so my first post about this coming out Sunday has to be with pre- uh, the idea of nominating Lee Zeldin. Now, for those of you who don't know who he is, Lee Zeldin was a congressman who ran for governor in New York last time, and he came pretty close to to upsetting uh, the Democrats there in, in New York. Lee Zeldin would bring a lot of good qualities to a Trump ticket. Number one, he's a good campaigner. He's well-known. The base likes him. Number two, he is a man who I think would play well. One of the messages that I hope the Republicans promote in 2024 is this urban renewal. We have to reform our cities. Our cities are falling apart under Democrat rule. And I think that uh, that should be a big topic in this campaign. And Lee Zeldin 
would be a great spokesman in that uh, in that topic. He's also a big proponent of school choice. I think he would play well uh, with suburbanites, particularly suburban women. He's a very good candidate, and I really hope I really hope that he is being considered for vice president. Again, I don't know who President Trump is going to select, and I don't know what the criteria is, but I think a guy like Lee Zeldin would actually add a lot uh, to the ticket, and I hope he is being considered for for vice president. Well, our on this day in history, we say happen, happy number 90 to Camilo Pascual. Camilo Pascual, one of the great Cuban pitchers of all time, and he is 90 years old, and I find that hard to believe because I used to love this guy when I was a kid. I used to collect his his baseball cards, and I mean, well, what a what a great pitcher he was. He played for the old Washington Senators who became the Minnesota Twins. He was very successful with the Minnesota Twins, winning 20 games uh, twice. And then he retired going back to the Washington Senators, uh, the second version of the Washington Senators in the late 60s. But he was a great pitcher. And when I was a kid, he was my hero growing up. That was the the, the pitcher that I wanted to emulate. And in fact, I started throwing the curveball when I was a kid because I was so inspired by Camilo Pascual, who had a tremendous curveball. That was his trademark pitch, uh, the curveball, which was just uh, absolutely the best. So I'm happy to say happy number 90 to Camilo Pascual. I'm not sure what he's doing these days. The last time I heard something about him, he was doing some scouting for the Minnesota Twins. Uh, he's probably not doing that anymore at age 90, but nevertheless, I hope wherever he is, Camilo Pascual, I hope you have a wonderful, happy number 90, and I hope you're doing well in a very well-deserved retirement after a great baseball career. Thank you for listening. Have a weekend. Happy, happy weekend, everybody. And we'll talk to you later. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas.